The title of the message this morning is Let Faith Be Built Up. Let Faith Be Built Up. You can turn so long to the book of Jude and just keep your finger there, Jude 1 verse 20 and 21. We'll get there in a few moments' time. But in understanding what we're going to be looking at, let's look a little bit more at some of the detail. Firstly, the author of this book or letter was Jude, hence the name Jude. And Jude was one of the leaders in the early church. He's not one that we heard a lot about, but he was one of those guys passionate about the church of Jesus Christ, about the church growing, and there he was serving as one of the leaders in the church. Interesting thing, did you know that Jude was Jesus' half-brother? Interesting. Jude was Jesus' half-brother because Jude's parents were also Mary and Joseph. And the reason why we say half-brother is because Father God was actually uh, Jesus' true father, not Joseph. And so, yeah, brothers, but properly speaking, it is half-brother. So I just found it interesting that here, as we read in from Jude, we read in the words of Jesus' half-brother. Now, Jude was writing to the church. He was writing to believers. Many of the epistles that we read in the Bible, it's very clear to whom they are directed. It'll be to the church at Ephesus, Corinth, whatever it might be, Colossae. But in this case, it's not clear exactly which church was being written to. And some of the scholars have speculated that maybe Jude was writing to a group of churches or a region of churches. And here he is writing to the people of God, to a region of churches. Now, the context of what is being addressed is very important because Jude was addressing a problem. When churches are growing and developing and spreading and so on, sometimes you encounter problems. And that's where leaders must not be shy to speak into those situations. So Jude, the man of God, he was actually addressing the problem of ungodly people. You could call them false teachers. And these guys had crept into the church and they were distorting the message of God's grace in order to justify their immorality. And they were saying this, you know, God's grace is so marvelous. It's so wonderful that it's okay to live in immorality. Do you agree with that? Not at all. What a lie. And this is a lie that he was encountering. And he was speaking against this, fighting against this lie. And he was urging the believers, the true believers, to stand firm. And he was urging them to grow in their faith. Would you say the word faith? faith. One of the best ways to grow in our faith is to stand firm on the rock of ages. But while doing that, nurturing our faith. That it would grow and develop. And you know that in these last days, we certainly need to keep growing our faith. I do not believe that faith is just a static thing and you get it and there's never a growth. 
We have to grow our faith in these last days. There's a scripture that says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? It would almost seem as though in the last days, there will be a decline in faith in general. But for the believers, I believe it will be the exact opposite because they will be more connected to God than ever before, more on fire for God, more with the faith of God burning in their hearts and their lives. And I believe that that's you and I, connected to God with steady, steadfast faith. And so here we pick up the scripture in Jude 1, verse 20 to 21. And the scripture reads, it says, but you beloved. Now I wanna pause there for a moment. In all the preceding verses, Jude had been saying these ungodly people, these false teachers, they are doing this wrong and this is the mistake, this will be the consequences, watch out for them and it's just all the junk and muck that they are doing and a warning going together with that. But then he stops here and he says, but you beloved, that's you today, but you beloved, Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. I like that little phrase. I want to say it again. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit, in the Spirit, Holy Spirit. Keeping yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And as I share the scripture today, I believe that this is one that the Lord has laid on my heart and there are four aspects that I'd like to touch on regarding this passage from Jude. Number one, building. Building up your most holy faith. And just to recap, there's the scripture, Jude 1.20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. I'd like to share with you how I believe the Lord has been leading me and submit that to you. A few months ago, I began to ask the Lord and I said, Lord, would you begin to speak to me, drop into my spirit a theme for the new year? Now, there doesn't always have to be a theme for each year because God's seasons are not necessarily in accordance with our calendar. But nonetheless, I said, Lord, would you give me a theme for the year? And so I just presented my request to the Lord. And then I just began to wait, expecting that the Lord would speak to me. And then it was about, only about two weeks later, while I was doing the real spiritual activity of shaving in the morning, <laughs> here I am shaving and the TV in the room next door is tuned to a Christian channel and I hear this phrase, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. And it resonated with me. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith. And I thought, I think the Lord is speaking to me. It resonated with me. God spoke to me. And then within 48 hours, I received that same verse from two unrelated sources, that very same verse. And so I knew in my own heart that God had confirmed his word to me. And so I submit to you today that this 
should be our theme as a local congregation this year, building yourself up on your most holy faith. Won't you please say those words with me? Building up your most holy faith. Say it again. Building up your most holy faith. One more time. Building up your most holy faith. And so I submit to you that this is what we need to be focusing on in this year. And I believe that the way that we are coming into the year, that God wants us to be at the end of the year, leaving this year where faith has been built up, where faith has grown, where faith has increased, where faith has enlarged, where God has done an unmistakable work. I do not believe that God wants our faith to be at a static level. He wants it to be at a growing level. And when I talk about faith, I talk about faith as a foundation, and I talk about the muscle of faith, believing God for things which are impossible, believing God for healings, believing God for dramatic breakthroughs, which in the natural are impossible. And so I feel that from the pulpit this year, we need to be seeking to speak messages of faith. We need to make sure that in our own hearts, I believe that we need to say almost, yes, Lord, I submit to what you wanna do in stirring and growing my faith in this year ahead. Come on, can anybody get excited? And so I believe that this is what the Lord wants us to do so that the messages that we begin to look at the stories of faith, the miracles that took place which were completely supernatural, we begin to look at the hall of fame, if I can put it that way, the faith hall of fame, at some of the great men and women of God in the Bible who were exemplified for their faith and learn from them. And so I wanna say, if you think that this is a year where you're just gonna stay at status quo, I believe if you will allow God to work in your heart, I believe there will be a growth and God will take us on to new things. And I even speak and I prophesy over the people of God that this is a year where faith will arise, where faith will be built up. Faith is rising in this place in Jesus' name. Faith is rising in this place. And so that's what I believe the Lord wants to say. And Matthew 17, verse 20 is on your screen. And it says, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, we know a mustard seed is very small, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. I want to submit to you that I believe there are some mountains in our lives. Mountains could be looked at things like problems. Michael, uh, mountains could be things like obstacles. I believe there are some mountains that you and I are living with which should be rejected and not tolerated. Now, I do understand that sometimes God will have us go over a mountain that is part of his plan, and he takes us into a certain time, and we have to get up and over a mountain. Fair, I understand that. But I believe that there's also times when we are having to go up uh, mountains and try to get around mountains, but God is actually saying, I wanna release your faith that you would say to that mountain, 
be removed, and God can remove it in a supernatural way. He can remove that obstacle in a supernatural way. And so let's not have a silent pact with the enemy, accepting strange mountains that God has never called us to accept. I speak faith into your hearts today. And I believe that there are some situations that you and I have said are impossible, but God does not agree with what we are saying. And God is saying, all things shall be possible. I would rather come into agreement with God than come into agreement with popular belief of what other people are saying through their own experiences. Because we don't talk from experience, we talk from the Word of God, which endures forever. And so I believe that we need to begin to say some of these things, situations, are not impossible. And God will actually deliver us from them. In Jude 1 verse 3, it's on your screen. In the message it says, I have to write insisting, begging, that you fight with everything you have in you for this faith. What is it talking about? It's faith. Talking about fighting for faith. Maybe this is foreign to you, but it wasn't foreign to the New Testament believers. Fight for your faith entrusted to us as a gift to God and to cherish. I want to say to you, sir, ma'am, the enemy of your soul is out to destroy your faith. He doesn't want your faith to grow this year, but your King Jesus is wanting to create an environment in which your faith flourishes and grows. The enemy wants to destroy the faith of believers. That's why we need to fight for our faith and we need to fight to build it. We also need to realize that our faith is something that's so precious. I ask you, do you see your faith as precious? The Bible says it's something that we need to guard and that we need to cherish. That is why it is called our most holy faith. I like that description of it. Please say this after me. My faith, My faith is, precious. is precious. My faith, My faith is most holy my faith, My faith is being built up, being built up. in Jesus' name. Jesus. Now tell the person next to you, your faith is being built up this year. Number two, praying. Praying in the Spirit. The Scripture goes on, Jude 1.20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, and then this phrase, Praying in the Holy Spirit. Hmm. I believe that one of the most important ways in which we can build our faith is by praying in the Holy Spirit. Because Scripture tells us that we are edified when we pray in the Spirit. We are built up. So in this year ahead, if we are seeking to grow our faith, we would need to engage in praying in the Spirit. It's one of those ways that we need to exercise the muscle of our faith. Now, when the Scripture says praying in the Holy Spirit, my question to you is, does this refer to or speak about praying in tongues, praying in that gift, praying in that spiritual language? What do you think? I believe it does. I also believe it speaks about praying in your natural tongue 
English or Afrikaans, Sutu, French, whatever it might be. It speaks of praying in your natural tongue, but under the empowering, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, so that you pray not as a dead fish, <laughs> but you pray as somebody empowered by the Lord. And firstly, in terms of praying in tongues, our heavenly language, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18, he said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. <laughs> now, you might think that that sounds like he's bragging. I don't believe he was bragging. He was just illustrating the point. And he was saying, guys, this is so important to me. I've discovered something in God that in praying in the Spirit, I am edified, my faith is built up. And he was saying, I encourage you to also pray in the Spirit. So he wasn't boasting, he was just expressing what his passion was. And when I was preparing, I wonder if Jude's comment on praying in the Spirit, I wonder if it wasn't as a result of Paul's influence. Paul and Jude would have now no, no doubt known each other. And Paul was one speaking about praying in tongues so often. And I think it could well be that this scripture, praying in the Holy Spirit, could have been through the influence of the Apostle Paul. I ask you this morning, do you pray in the gift of tongues? And I want to encourage you that if you don't yet have that gift, that you desire it, that you pursue it, and that you get it. God loves to give his Holy Spirit to those who ask him, and he loves to give the gifts. We are to eagerly desire the gifts. Paul says, I wish that you would all pray in tongues. That's what he says. And so in terms of that, if you haven't yet received that gift, come to one of your life group leaders or your pastor or your shepherd and say, I would like to receive that gift and begin to exercise but the other aspect of praying in the Spirit, not only in tongues, but also in our natural tongue, under the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is not about dead, stale religious prayers. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody's praying and you think, are they talking to God? I mean, is there any spiritual life here? It sounds just so dead. There's no spirit life. So this is not talking, praying in the spirit from our natural tongue about dead, stale prayers. This is talking about the power of God. This is talking about people who have the fire of God burning within them. And when they pray, they mean business with God. And when they pray, they grab a hold of heaven and stuff begins to happen as a result of their prayers. I've sometimes encountered people who have a book of prayers. I've attended some very, very traditional services, maybe funerals, and there's always a reading of a prayer, reading of a prayer. Now, there's nothing wrong with reading a prayer. But sometimes I have found that those prayers are mechanical and they are dead. And then you have other people that pray under the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you, you be a person that prays out of the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Adam Clark says. He says, the prayer that is not sent up through the influence of the Holy Ghost is never likely to reach heaven. Isn't that interesting? 
And so I'll probably in the coming occasion say more about this aspect of praying in the Spirit. But let's move on to number three. Are you still with me? Say amen. amen. Number three, keeping. Keeping yourself in the love of God. Say that with me. Keeping yourself in the love of God. Our text goes on. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And then it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. That's interesting. Verse 21 in the message version says the following. It says, staying right at the center of God's love. Now, my question is, how do you keep yourself in the love of God? Imagine you've, you're somebody who's been serving God at least for, let's say, two or three years. Imagine you have a new believer that comes up to you, and they say, just explain to me, keep yourselves in the love of God. What does that mean? Would you be able to give them an answer? And I'd like to suggest to you that the answer of what does that mean is the following. Obedience is the key. Please say that with me. Obedience is the key. I firmly believe that obedience is the key to remaining in the love of God. Let me back it up from Scripture. John 15, verse 9 to 12. And it says, Jesus says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Doesn't abide in my love sound like keeping yourself in the love of God? Abide in my love. And then it says, if you keep my commandments. That's obedience. You will abide in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And so Jude here was warning about false teachers and ungodly people that had come in and they couldn't care about obedience. But you know what I believe is that if you really love God, obedience means a lot. The Bible says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so the obedience is the key. But these false teachers, these ungodly people, they couldn't care about obedience. And as a result, they stepped outside of the love of God in their lives. Do you believe it's possible that you can step outside of the love of God? The scripture does say that nothing can separate you from the love of God. And I know that the Bible says that I will never leave you nor forsake you. But I tell you what, experiencing God's love in practice can be hindered through a disobedient lifestyle. And we don't want that. So we want to be walking in an obedience of lifestyle because then we are keeping in the love of God. Now, just a little illustration. Imagine that God's love is like sunshine. And let's say it's a clear sky day and you step out into the sunshine and in the same way that the sun is shining all the time, God's love is shining all the time. And if you keep yourself in the sunshine of God's love, you experience warmth. But if you let something come in between you and God, it can hinder the rays of the love of God shining onto you. And then you begin to experience that you're cold. Something's missing in your life. The warmth of God's love is no longer there. Here is the secret. Don't let anything come between you and God. 
Stay in the full shining of the rays of his love. And I just felt to say this, I said it in the first service as well, wasn't part of my notes, but I feel to say this here as well, that sometimes a relationship can be something that is hindering you from the full flow of the love of God in your life, an ungodly relationship that needs to come to an end. I just put that out there because I believe that that might be relevant to somebody. But let me tell you, when the enemy wants to trip you up, when the enemy wants to tempt you and get you into sin, you know what you do is you run into the love of God. Do you know that the love of God is like a stronghold? The love of God is a powerful place to be found in. It is a stronghold, and we should run to it. And something that I discovered as I was preparing is, do you know that the love of God is a preservative against sin? Do you know that? I didn't know that. found it very interesting. And in the first verse of Jude, uh, the author refers to believers as being preserved in Jesus Christ. Please say that phrase with me preserved in Jesus Christ. Think about that for a moment. Isn't that beautiful? To be preserved in Jesus Christ? What does that mean? It means that we are kept safe in His care. I want to say to you that there is no safer place than to be in Christ and in His love. And today, You might be sitting here and maybe you are very uptight. You are very on edge about the year ahead. And you are saying, what will it hold? How is the year gonna be? And I just want to say to you, know this, child of God, you are preserved in Christ Jesus. Know this, child of God, you are kept safe in Christ Jesus. Can we give him a hand for his goodness in that regard? Number four, looking, looking for the glorious return of Jesus. So there's been four points during this message, building, praying, keeping, and looking. Now the looking one, Jude 1 verse 20 to 21, let's just look at the last phrase. There it says, it's on your screen in bold, it says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now, you might ask, well, what does that phrase mean? It simply means that we are looking for the glorious return of Jesus. I believe that this is something that the New Testament church was very aware of and focused on. And I believe that the church in today's day and age is not as looking and expecting and longing as the New Testament church was. And that's got to change. The church of Jesus Christ around the world needs to heighten our level of looking and expecting. And we need to stop living as if this is the be all and end all because there is something beyond the reality that meets the eye. There's a promise of Jesus that he will return for us. And so I ask you, are you looking? Come on church, are you looking? Are you looking for his return? Because scripture encourages us to live in this way. Let me tell you a little story My dad, on Sunday mornings, before we would even wake up as kids, he would pull out some of the LPs, some of the records, and begin to play them in the family room. He wouldn't play them very softly. (laughs) 
And we would not even yet be properly awake, but my dad would play some of his favorite music, and he liked pipe organ music and, and so on. And, and I remember there was this one record that he used to play, and the song was called, Oh, the King is Coming. How many of you want to date yourselves and admit you know that song? Okay. Or carbon date yourself. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh, the king is coming. And I must tell you, as a little kid lying in bed, listening to the high-five blaring in the family room, I, I, I can't say I had joy in his heart. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was almost like, oh, no, you know. But anyhow, this would play. And I can remember my dad would get excited. And one of the reasons why he would play music on a Sunday morning, he loved to prepare his heart and his spirit before coming to church. And he loved to irritate us. No, just kidding. He loved to prepare his heart and spirit. And here the song would play. Oh, the king is coming. The king is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding. And now I see his face. And even as a little guy, that made an impression on me because I realized that my dad was looking. My dad was longing. My dad was realizing this place is not his home. He's only here for a while, and he's looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Titus 2, verse 13, the last scripture that we're looking at, it says in 2, verse 13, looking, please say the word looking. looking. That's what it says in Jude as well, looking. Now it says looking. For the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to say this, that one of the ways in which we maintain our faith and grow our faith in these last days is by looking forward to the reality that is greater than meets the eye. It is one of the ways of strengthening your faith, realizing that this is what God will do. And I want to tell you loud and clear, God has promised he will return. He has promised he will return. And when God makes a promise, it is not if, but when. The certainty of what he's promised will come into being. The scripture says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said it and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? The answer is he will make it good. The answer is he will fulfill the promise. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for his return and looking forward to the glorious appearing of his return. And it reminds me of that scripture, not that scripture, it's that song. Like a bride waiting for her groom, we'll be at church ready for you. Every heart longing for our King. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. And so I want to encourage you, people of God, that you keep looking to the return of Christ. That you keep longing for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you please stand as we pray? I'm gonna pray a prayer. And towards the end of the prayer, I'm going to use just a few words right at the end of Jude. Let's pray. Let's close our eyes right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word to us. And we declare over this world, over this year, that faith is rising in this place in Jesus' name. We declare that faith will be built up. 
and we declare that there will be an experience of building up our most holy faith. We open our hearts and we open our lives to you working in us in this regard. And we say, Jesus, come and have your way. And we declare that you will accomplish your plan for our lives and it will perfectly unfold in this year. And now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless, faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah.